It is uh, good to be with you. Um, my name is Chris Aho, and um, I am Roy's oldest son, which and Roy is Waco's oldest son, and um, my grandmother's right here, and uh, uh, she told me to open her ears, so I don't know. Uh, I hope I can. I hope I can do that. As you uh, may know, I'm a Baptist preacher in North Carolina. Um, I'm not from there. I was born in Lorium, uh, but. We moved around a lot growing up, and uh, when I finished school, I, I went to uh, Duke Divinity School and just ended up stuck there in the Triangle, which will, uh, in the Raleigh-Durham area, which will play a part here a little bit later. Um, but long ago, I was sort of piecing together how it was that this Lutheran family from Finland ended up with a Baptist preacher, and, um, you know, I... I I know enough of the story about my grandparents uh, to realize that you can take the Baptist out of the South, or you can take the South, what, I don't know how it would go, but I know that in the battle between um, the Lutherans and the Baptists, uh, uh, Louise won this battle. And uh, my first, many of my first memories of my family are from the, the, the basement of that Bethany Baptist Church there in Dollar Bay. Uh, where we would go and they would hold up uh, the poster boards before we had screens in churches and the verses of the songs would be up there and we would sing. Um, but I think my grandmother, uh, if I didn't know she was from, um, from, from Tennessee, uh, she's one of the most Finnish women that I know. And I am just so thankful for my Finnish roots that have uh, led me to love um, pasties and, and, and enjoy the woods, and I appreciate that when I got here, we were already out of coffee for the second time today. <laughs> and uh, even though we were six when we left Marquette for Texas, I do think I, um, I'm probably better at a snow shovel than most people uh, my age. I think it's just baked right into you uh, when you're a Finlander. Um, but I also need to apologize to you. I know, Wayne, you're trying to get everybody to raise their hand. And um, I said in a sermon in North Carolina recently that my dad had like 100 first cousins. And as you know, that's not true. There are 53 of you, I believe that's right. And um, I'm sorry that I exaggerated the size of our family. Um, but given that my dad had 53 first cousins, that means I might ha that I have, I have hundreds of cousins. So it was only a, a, a small mistake. Um, so I'm sorry. But when you asked me to preach this, or when, when you asked me to, to preach, to bring a message, the passage I thought about was um, from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And um, it's the, I'm going to read the first nine verses of Deuteronomy 6. And to, to me it's a passage about, about family, about how family does family, and it's certainly a passage about how God's family has done family for a long, long time. Um, certainly this is the instruction that the Israelites get, um, but I think it's also a practical instruction that we get um, about how, how it is we do what we do. So hear now this reading from God's Word from uh, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the ordinances that the Lord God charged me to teach you to observe in the land you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life, and you may keep all his decrees and his commandments 
that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord alone. You shall love your God, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you in your heart today. Recite them with your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In my church we say this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let me start a little bit with this Bible lesson, this passage that, you know, for those of us who are listening to uh, gospel readings a lot or who preach them a lot, might seem a little bit strange. The book of Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Old Testament, and it's a bit of a retrospective. It's a looking back, and it's a retelling of, of all of the stories that had happened. So you, you remember that in Exodus um, 19, uh, I better get this right, I'm the Baptist in the room, uh, in Exodus 19, the Lord gives the Ten Commandments. Well, in Deuteronomy 5, the Lord gives the Ten Commandments. Again, it's a retelling of what had happened. And Moses is sort of reliving all of this. And so, in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, the, the instructions that I just read are instructions for how it is that you keep the commandments. How is it that you do this? How do you... Remember these things that God has done for you. And so, they tell the Israelites, you teach the commandments to your children. Talk about them. Recite them. Say them as blessings at night, and say them as reminders when you get up in the morning. And when Moses says, talk about them at home, you know the thing that I picture is sitting around the family table sitting around the family table and telling the stories and lingering for a long time after the food has long been gone and telling those stories over again and again and again. And so for Israelites, at this point in time, the story was about Abraham. It was a story of God making a promise to Abraham and uh, then to Isaac and then to Jacob. It was the story about uh, about God, uh, uh, Joseph's brothers throwing him in the well, but him getting saved and going into Egypt. And then the, then the Israelites being saved in Egypt because there was a famine in their land, uh, but they were, they were saved. And then it's the story about Moses taking the people out of Egypt um, through the Exodus, across the Red Sea, and wandering for a long time. And, and now they're looking into the Promised Land. They're getting ready. And he's saying, remember these things. Don't forget them. Talk about what happened. Tell these stories. Keep these things with you. And so that's what they did. They kept telling the stories. When you listen to one of your Jewish friends, uh, if they were to tell you about their family, they would say, when the Lord God brought us out of Egypt. When the Lord, Lord God brought us out of Egypt. As if, because, it is, it is their family. Recently, um, a, a friend of mine in town, in the town where I live, uh, let me borrow some books, and she's Jewish. 
And I borrowed the books for an Old Testament class I was taking in school last fall. And it was time for me to return the books because I was tired of looking at them on my bookshelf. Um, And so I finally was getting around to it. And I walked up to Jackie's door and I noticed right there, mounted on her doorpost, was the promise, the commandment, the Lord your God is one. And Jackie's not even a particularly religious Jewish person. But as she's reclaiming and rediscovering her faith, that that was an important part for her to remember that story. Uh, But you know, we do the same thing, don't we? We do the exact same thing. This is actually probably, confessionally, the first family reunion that I've paid attention to what the schedule is. Um, I missed a couple. I was here five years ago, and uh, my my nine-year-old was four, and so he was just out there the whole time. And before that, I missed a couple, and then I was a child before that. And, and even confessionally, mom and dad still took care of all the reservations for us this time. But um, as, I've, as, I, as I've remembered the schedule, the, taking the picture at noon really matters, right? It's important that we have those pictures. But everything else on the schedule kind of centers around this service and eating, <laughs> it's what we do, right? There's the pasty dinner, and then there's the lunch meal, and if you're around long enough, I hear there's sloppy joes for dinner tonight, and uh, we, the first thing that, that people were asked, when they were, did you get breakfast yet this morning? Um, we eat. We sit around that table. We make, we make sure that in sitting and, and being together, we gather, we tell stories, we share time, we remember, and then we continue to remember who it is we are. We are these people who are descendants of Andrew and Sophia, these Finnish immigrants who came over and started a new life and started a new family. And so practically speaking, uh, in the same way that those words spiritually say something, practically we keep these words. We recite them to our children. We talk about them at home. We impart them onto the next generation. And for the Israelites, that story was the Exodus for Christians, it's a story about resurrection. And as a family, it's also a story about the, that couple that bought a farm and lived on Tamarack Hill and made the Keweenaw Peninsula a place that's uh, you know, important on a map and that it bothers you when you're in the south and they either separate Michigan or forget the Upper Peninsula altogether, right? You've seen that. There's this, it's the story of family that connects us, and it's, it's places like this, it's conversations like the ones that we have that tie us into a bigger, a bigger uh, biological family of sorts. And, and so I'm never more comfortable being an Ajo than in the Copper Country, um, and, and even though I don't know you all as well as I should, or should I say you guys, Is that, that's what we say up here, right? Um, <laughs> This is, this is who we are. This is, is what we do. Um, we are Ajos or descendant of Ajos, or as my, my grandmother said, uh, she's American, so she says Ajo. Um, but we're rooted in a place, and that's important. And, and I've realized that more based on a story that is actually is tied to North Carolina right now. Um, I've lived most of my adult life in North Carolina. Uh, in 2000, we moved out there. I was 23, and I started going to school, and then I just started working at churches out there. And uh, so I, 
I was, as best I could figure, the most famous Ajo in the state of North Carolina <laughs> until not too long ago. There is a place in the mountains called Ajo Gap, and there's a really dumb story about why they call it Ajo Gap, and I'm not sure it's legitimate. Um, but, but for the most part, it was me and a bunch of rugby players from Appalachian State University who knew what Ajo was. But a couple of years ago, one night I was sitting on the couch, and I thought, I had this weird thought. I thought, I have a big family, and um, there's a lot of Ajos in Finland that probably are my family. But I wonder if there's ever been an Ajo that played hockey in the NHL. I, I really I thought this. And so I started looking it up, and I realized, no, there, as best Google could tell me, there was not an Ajo, Ajo who had played hockey in the NH, NHL, but there were two young kids named Sebastian Ajo, one from Sweden and one from Finland, that were prospects to be NHL players. And so I just decided that I was going to tell my team, the Carolina Hurricanes, that they should draft a kid named Sebastian Ajo so I could have a jersey with Ajo on the back of it. <laughs> and I actually have Twitter proof that I did this, uh, for those of you who care. Um, and lo and behold, they did it. They drafted Sebastian Ajo. They drafted the Finnish one, too, not the Swedish one. And, and so I was just so excited that... that that Sebastian was coming to play for the Carolina Hurricanes, and last October he did, and, and, and my cousin, Sebastian Ajo, plays for <laughs> the Carolina Hurricanes, and it is wonderful. Um, I don't think he knows he's my cousin yet, um, but we're going to be tight one of these days. I know, the, I know the local sportscaster in Raleigh, and uh, my son knows kids, no, my son's Got a friend whose dad works with the Hurricanes, and I've bought lots of tickets from them over the years. Um, this year, I took a group of guys from the church to watch a Canes game, and it was the night that Sebastian Ajo had his first hat trick. Uh, it, was, it was fantastic. Um, and uh, I didn't have my jersey yet, but for Christmas, my brother and my mom bought me an Ajo jersey with my Canes logo on the front, and it was great. And so there is an Ajo in the NHL, and it's um, wonderful, but the thing about Sebastian is if he walked in this room right now and he didn't have his jersey on, would any of us know who he is? A few of us might. A few of us might say, I think that kid looks familiar. But he wouldn't. He, we would share an affinity for this place called Finland that we love and that we appreciate, but, but he wouldn't know us. He couldn't get to the farm on Tamarack Hill. He wouldn't know about the brothers who served in World War II in Europe. Um, he wouldn't recognize this retreat center, I don't think. Um, he didn't probably wouldn't know anything about the Copper Country. The Sumi restaurant would just be a familiar name. And, um, and his guess, this is the only line of this whole sermon that's going to give me trouble, his guess is as good as yours and mine as to who's responsible for the car going into the porch many, many years ago. But Sebastian Ajo, uh, he wouldn't know this, this family's story because though we share a unique name, he hasn't sat around the table and eaten pasties with us. He hasn't um, experienced the blessing of being with us. He hasn't heard the stories and the lore and been attached to the family. 
Um, I hope he has a blessed family of his own, but he doesn't know the blessing of our, of our table, the blessing of our family. And so he's not really ours, even if Ancestry.com does connect us somewhere way back there. And so what is, what is the point? Every sermon should have a point, and if your preacher doesn't have one on Sunday, encourage him or her too, please. My point is this, just like those Israelites back in Deuteronomy had stories to tell, just like they had stories that kept who they were alive, so too do we. Um, we have stories that we hold on to, stories that matter. Um, and so as you share time with one another today, share good stories, because sharing them and hearing them and knowing them and remembering them and hearing them again and again and again is important. Um, it matters. It helps shape who you are. It helps you learn who you are, and, and that helps shape who it is you uh, might be. Um, maybe you can't define Sisu with one word, but hopefully you can define it with a bunch of really good stories, right? So today, embrace the blessing of the tables that we will share and tell good stories. Keep special, keep sacred the places where you can talk about all that God has done with you and to you and for you and embrace the opportunity to share with those you love and those you might come to love the powerful stories that matter the most to you. Um, these stories, they tell us who we are. Um, so again, as you sit around the table, uh, I pray that God may bless us in our stories and our storytelling um, because this is what God has told us to do. So I pray that, that we may experience God's love and assurance and the love of God through this family and through the countless uh, beautiful stories of God's love that we get to share today. Amen.